We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Bronx Pinstripe Show number 21. I am back from Europe, and it is good to be back. I feel like I've missed a ton of Yankees baseball, and uh, being out of the loop is no fun. So, Scott, what's up, man? You and me both, brother. Uh, we, I have been traveling pretty much all week myself um, just for work and for a little bit of pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's keeping up. Thank God for technology. I got to tell you that much because um, th- this week's been uh, definitely uh, trying for me keeping up with everything. But, uh, you know, ready to go. I think uh, there's there's really – it's such a different story with the Yankees. It seems like every other day, you know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. So, you know, we'll, like, we can mow through these games and kind of talk about a bunch of things because I know there's a lot of stuff that happened this week. There is, yeah. Not only am I out of the loop on, on the Yankees, but I'm out of the loop on what you've been doing. What, what have you been up to? Good Lord, man. I tell you. So, 
I was, you know, up for all time, old timers day. Uh, my, my wife and I, um, went to Nashville this week and, um, right before that trip, I, I wasn't even going to go, but my wife has a, like a teacher's conference in Nashville and she had, you know, hotel room paid for and all that stuff. So oh, I was I like, you know, that. no, exactly. And well, one of the, the kind of the, the tipping point for me was, um, when I get home, my AC unit is out and my <laughs> computer's fried. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great to come home to. Apparently, um, there was an electrical storm over the weekend, and it fried my computer. My hard drive is, is completely shot. So um, that was that was no fun to come home to. And the AC unit was out, and it was going to take a couple of days for it to get repaired. Um, so I, I was like, I'm going with you. <laughs> there's, AC in, there's AC in Nashville. I could do what I need to do during the day uh, from the hotel room. So, so yeah, you know, packed a bag, and, uh, and we went to Nashville. I like that style. You're just like, everything's broken. Screw it. I don't want to deal I'm with it leaving. now. I'll deal with it in a couple of weeks. Exactly. That's exactly how it went nice. down. And then and then today, the Sunday, right before, literally like five minutes, we're, we started recording after the game today. And like, I swear, literally like 4.55, we're recording at five. I hear this screeching noise and like a bang coming in from outside. And I go outside and my AC unit again has blown up practically the, with the fan not working. And oh my God. So yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty interesting week and a half for me, but I'm alive and I'm healthy right now. So and uh, you know, and there's Yankee baseball on. So well, it's 50 degrees and raining where I am right now. So I don't need air conditioning. So what would you rather have? Yeah, I mean it's still it's still like 60 degree or actually it's like 75 degrees right now. So we got a little bit of a cool front, which is which is good. Um, but you know, I'm heading back up. I'll, I'll be in New York again this weekend um, and going to Hank's Yanks. Uh, or this coming weekend, the Hanks Yanks Golf Tournament on Monday um, at the tr- the new Trump course in the Bronx. So I'm really excited about that and uh, going to be able to, to meet a bunch of those guys too, which will be a lot of fun. Nice. I'll definitely, so, definitely have some good stuff to report after that. So do we know which of the players or members of the organization are going to be there? Yeah, there's actually going to be a lot. Current Yankees, um, A-Rod's going to be there. Um, and there is a dinner for that is honoring Dellen Batansis, uh, basically for a lot of the charity work that he does in the area. So uh, that that will be the uh, the two main guys, I believe, from the um, current squad. But there's going to be a whole bunch of former Yankees there. Reggie's going to be there. All the yes guys are going to be there. Um, a lot of the guys from Old Timers Day, uh, actually, like Lairitz and uh, uh, Cecil Fielder. I think like Graham Lloyd, people like that. So there's there's a there's a whole list of them. If you go to the the website for the Hanks Yanks Golf Tournament, there's a whole list of, of all the people that are going to be there but it's going to be a lot of fun oh, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty jealous man i'm pretty jealous <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's going to be an interesting one for sure and the cocktail hour which is like an hour before the dinner uh that's when i think a rod's going to be there donald trump's going to be there and um that's you have pretty much access to go and mingle with these guys so i'm going to try to sneak in with with uh you know maybe my iphone and put it on video and just see what i can get possibly future president of the united states donald trump Possibly, you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right, so as but I yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, it'll interesting, and I I just hope I don't have to sweat through this entire week because I know when you know June July hits, AC companies take forever to get to you. So 
Here's one. Uh, here's one for the big men upstairs that they can get to me in the next, uh, you know, 24 <laughs> to 48 hours. Right, I'm pulling for you, man. I'm pulling for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. As I mentioned, I was uh, I was away for for a week and a half or so. So a uh, shout out to Rich and RJ for filling in. I, that was pretty much how I stayed up to date on the Yankees is listening to the podcast. So so nice job, guys. And and a lot of stuff happened while I was gone. It's pretty tough to follow American sports over in Europe with the six hour difference. Um, Honestly, it's like I would just forget half the time that the game was on at that point, or you know, I'd check my phone because I, you know, I was only in and out of Wi-Fi spots, so I'd check my phone and I'd see a bunch of updates. Um, also, I feel like uh, I lost touch with when the finals, the NBA finals, and the Stanley Cup finals were ending. So, sort of, uh, you know, it was an awesome trip and a lot of fun. But glad to be home and, and back to back to the usual uh, Yankees baseball and, and sports and all that stuff. Yeah, I can imagine, especially when games are starting, uh, you know, seven eight o'clock. That's you know, you're you're past yeah. midnight at that point. Yeah, so. one a.m. At least you have a Yankees podcast you could listen to and catch up for the week. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like that, there you go. So uh, let's jump into what happened this past week. Um, so the the current record for the team is 41 and 35, and they're tied for second with Baltimore in the AL East, a half game behind Tampa, and. Uh, the only team pretty much out of it right now are the Red Sox. Uh, Toronto's only a game out, so four teams bunched up at the top there. And I think it's starting to shape up where that's how it's going to be the rest of the year. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, I think these four teams are going to be there for a long time, probably the long haul. And you never know with the Red Sox. I mean, what, they're, they're eight eight games out, nine games out today? Yeah, they uh, look done. They look totally done. They do look done, but you just never know, especially with the because they do have a lot of prospects and, you know, they could they could potentially do something at the trade deadline that that could be a major move. I mean, eight games out, nine games out, whatever it is, um, is not too much to overcome. Obviously, it's a lot harder when you have four teams above you that are that are so close. But, you know, you just never want to count them out, especially when, you know, the Yankees, Red Sox, the way that they play each other, you know, for, for us, I think um, it's never going to be an easy an easy bout with those guys. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, we've said this all along. I think we start, we said this in the beginning of the season, really, is that this is going to be any man's or any team's division, and it's going to go all the way through the end of the season. It is. It's going to be close. We're going to look in the middle of September, and it's going to be a game or two that separates two, three, maybe even four of these teams. So you got to win your division games. That's the bottom line. Um, you know, those games are really important. And this week, we didn't have any division games. Uh, Philly and Houston. Uh, Philly sucks. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, they lost two out of three of them. And then a split with Houston, who is a pretty good team. I think a lot of us think of Houston of last year probably one of the worst teams in the league but they are a pretty good team this year so let's jump into into these games Monday they lost to Philly 11 to 8 not the offense's fault but uh, when you give up 11 runs you know Pereira did not look good he got crushed Um, I was not uh, in the country for this game so you know I didn't see much of it but Pineda's line was pretty terrible he gave up 11 hits and 8 runs and 3 and a third probably one of his worst if not his worst outing of the year and you know it seems with him and unfortunately it's it's become our top two pitchers. I know we'll talk about um, Tanaka in a minute, but you know for 
for Pineda, it seems like he's either just dominant or he's completely terrible. And it's, you know, he's Mr. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that, that's really, that's not something we really want from our number two. Um, you know, we want definitely want more consistency. Uh, you know, I, I can take a few outings here and there, but when it's like every other or close to that, that's, that's troublesome to me. And you know, really, uh, it's hard to rely on a guy like that. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, he could find some more consistency. Um, he he did definitely pitched a lot better today. So, yeah, and I, I do think of Pineda as you know our one A or something. You know, Tanaka and him are are both our you know our quote unquote aces for you know whoever's number one. Who knows? But. A bad game for him should not be 11 hits and eight runs and three and a third. It should be he should be able right. to gut through five, get him into the sixth, and have the team in the game. And he just wasn't able to do that. And against a really really bad Philly lineup, like let's not forget that he's not. I mean, Astros are a good lineup, and he pitched well today. Um, you know, some of these other teams in the league that are good lineups, I understand if you have a bad day, but to give up eight runs to the to Philly, that's pretty terrible. Yeah, and you know, since Girardi has kind of talked about going with this six-man rotation too, we'll we'll really see how that affects some of these guys. And you know, maybe that has something to do with Pineda, and you know, maybe the extra day of rest and and it's just something his body's got to get used to, and you know, getting back into those routines because these guys are absolutely creatures of habit, and you know, they have their routines and they follow them, you know, like clockwork. So getting that extra day could could definitely. Um, you know, put him in a little bit of a different situation and, and something he'll have to uh, adjust to. So sort of a breakout star for the Phillies this year is Franco, the third baseman. He had four hits and five RBIs on Monday. And then he followed that up on Tuesday in which the Yankees lost 11-6 to with another five RBIs. Um, and, uh, um, well, I guess we'll get into this in a second, but uh, that's sort of the only bright spot for, for the Phillies. And a report uh, was uh, circulating on Twitter that the Yankees missed out on him by $5,000 in a signing bonus, which uh, I think in 2010, the Phillies offered him 100k, the Yankees 95k. Obviously, he took the extra 5k. It's just one of those funny little th- coincidences, I think. I don't think you can really blame the Yankees because he was not a high prospect. You can tell that by the $100,000 signing bonus. But it's just one of those funny things that people were getting mad about on Twitter when, in in reality, no one really knew he was going to be a good player. Right, because if he had a bad series, then nobody would have even known that that, that stat, right? Exactly. I mean, he he could have a terrific year and then, uh, you know, a bad couple games against the Yankees and that stat would, or that number probably never would have been released by the media because it would have been irrelevant. But because it was and because he did well, we try to find things that will piss us off and make us angry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of them that definitely got people fired up. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah, it's 5,000. But right, like you said, he was not a, a top prospect. And it's kind of one of those things that, you know, just kind of apply a guy for for you know kind of just doing better than he really was projected to and uh, you know good for him I guess yeah I mean for the Phillies it's really him and Cole Hamels are the only two bright spots on that team and for the Yankees to lose two out of three is sort of tough on Tuesday Sabathia also did not look good he again got rocked in the middle innings uh, gave up a, a run in the third and then five runs in the fourth and as we said five more RBIs for Franco so you know just really another bad performance for CC. It just seems like he's not every time we talk about this and we're saying you know we hope he can get used to pitching like this and you know throwing in the high 
high 80s, low 90s, and really working the count and um, you know making that slider the the the, com- the complete pitch that he needs uh, you know to to pitch to guys at, you know at the, in this in that zone in that 80 88 to 91 zone and it just seems like it hasn't happened and I don't know how it's going to click all of a sudden if it hasn't happened yet I mean we're getting to the middle of the season and if he's not figuring it out by now it's you know there's a tough argument out there for him to say that he's going to figure it out halfway through the season and it sucks because I I love CC I always love him for the 09 World Series and he was a workhorse for them and you saw it uh, the other night when Arod got thrown at by um, Oberholzer CC was on the top step ready to go ready to defend his teammates and that's what you love about CC he still brings that fire and that energy like he's throwing 96 miles an hour but he's only throwing 89 miles an hour so you know he needs to learn how to pitch because he's not going to bowl people you know he's not going to just blow blow it past you anymore so he's going to really need to figure out how to pitch and it just I, seems like we keep saying that we keep saying that we keep saying that you know what I mean like I, I know that you're, ne- you're never gonna not get the competitor uh, side of CC because that's that's just who he is that's just that's just in him uh, the, the competitor and that's what you saw you know rising out of the out of the dugout when Arod got hit but if he doesn't have the ability anymore to pitch the way he needs to with his current skill set, you know, I, I don't know how much, you, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks, I don't know how much he's really going to improve. Um, I mean, we've seen guys have a resurgence in their career, but it just doesn't seem like it's it's clicking with him. I don't know what the solution is. All I know is that he's, it, it's not He's not going to figure it out, I don't think, pitching in the major league. So maybe he needs to make a couple – maybe he needs, you know, sort of a mental break from from the major leagues for a little while, have a couple rehab starts, and sort of try and regroup. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it's it's going to be tough to get him into the minor leagues for, for starts like that unless there is some kind of an injury. Or We've seen the Yankees do that before, right? <laughs> There's well, an injury. a lot of teams have There's done There's a, a quote injury, yeah. yeah, and then he goes down. But, um, you know, tired arm, something yeah. like that could, yeah. could send him down for, for a little while. But, um, yeah. So Who knows, man? I mean, he needs something. He does. Another thing from this game that was bad was the Yankees were 1 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Yep. One for 12 for, with runners in scoring position takes me back to uh, the 2013-2014 Yankees when we couldn't hit anything when there was a man standing on second or third base. So, you know, but they've, you know, they've been pretty decent, I think, uh, throughout the season. We haven't really been harping on that as a big issue with this, seat, uh, with this team offensively. So, you know, they're going to run through streaks like that where we're just not going get to get it done um, during, during certain series. So. But it was a 6-6 game going into the ninth inning, and Batances, who had come in in the eighth to get out of a little jam, he got rocked in the ninth, uh, ended up being his first career loss, which is amazing considering he had, you know, 90 innings that he pitched last year and already up to about, you know, whatever, 40 innings this year. So for him to have his first career loss this far into his season, can't really get mad at a guy. It's just we've never seen that before. We've never seen Batances get hit like that. Not as a relief pitcher, no. But you know we've seen him. I think get get hit. If, if you follow his minor league career, you know he definitely had his troubles. You know later at the end when he was a starter. But yeah, you're right. He's never been touched up like this in the major leagues as a reliever. So it's it's weird to see just because his stuff is so good. Uh, it's 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 very strange to see people touch him up like that. 
But, you know, I'm chalking it up for a bad outing, and, and that's it because he's come back and just been dominant since then. So Me too. There were times that Mariano went out there and gave up four or five runs and looked like he was just totally lost. But you knew he was going to come back the next day, and if it was a one nothing game with the Yankees on the lead, that's the guy you wanted out there, and he'd get him 1-2-3. So I think it was just a bad game for Betances, and it looks like he was able to just, you know, shake it off and come back out, and he pitched well in Houston, so... I wouldn't read too much into that bad game last week. Well, and talking about that too, I mean, just talking about how Mariano would, if he had a bad outing and came back and you, you knew he was going to come back and do well, that just kind of speaks to the, to the mindset and the way that these guys work. And I think Batances does have that quality where he forgets what just happened. I mean, it just it didn't happen. And he goes out there like it's a new day and he knows his stuff and he believes in his stuff. And that's that's great because a lot of guys cannot do that. And to see uh, that similar quality uh, in, in those two guys where he could just forget about things of, you know, a, a career bad outing the, the, the day before, a couple of days before, and then he just goes out and dominates, um, you know, that's awesome to see. And that's a, it's a definitely a testament to who he is, uh, you know, as a competitor. Absolutely. You know what else is awesome to see? What's that? Supernova's back, baby. That is. That's awesome, man. I mean, what a we needed a little bit of a, um, a spike in the side, right? A little bit of a jolt of energy, and I think uh, Nova's coming back to give us that. Yeah, Wednesday, uh, day baseball, 10-2 win against the Phillies. First game back for Ivan Nova from Tommy John surgery, and he was unbelievable. Six and two-thirds, three hits, no runs. Um, all reports are that he still feels good. His arm feels good. He's healthy from that game, which is the major concern, um, you know, when a guy's coming back from surgery. But I don't know if you could have expected anything better than that for a return. No, he looked good. He was throwing the ball well. And, you know, just just to see him come out of that, one, he went pretty deep in the game. I mean, he went into the seventh inning, which is a lot more than we could say for a lot of the guys in the yeah. rotation. <laughs> so his first start back, uh, you know, going deep into the game like that um, was, was definitely a very good sign. And the fact that his arm feels good afterwards is a tremendous sign because, you know, if this team is going to compete at the end of the season and is going to be in for – uh, the division, or even a wild card, kind of going off topic. We were, we were talking about the the division. If you look at the standings right now, the what we thought would never come out of the AL East, um, very possibly could come out of the AL East because there is no clear second place in the in the American League right now. So I think everybody's in for a wild card. So there could be two two people to come out. But anyway, the um, the for us to compete later in the season and and to really um, you know make it deep, uh, we need a we need a healthy Ivanova. And he's a competitor. Uh, everyone's always, all the reports are that he was so upset about being injured last year and he just could not wait to get back on the mound. And you love to see that from a guy. He's always been a competitor with the Yankees. I remember his first, his rookie year, his first game ever, he was in Toronto pitching and he had bases loaded in one of the early innings with nobody out and he got out of it, no runs. And right there, instantly, you knew he was a competitor and he was a guy that you wanted on the mound in a big situation. So I think Nova could be a real wild card for this rotation. I totally agree. I mean, we've had a lot of inconsistencies at the bottom. Uh, you know, Warren has been kind of a godsend for this, for this, uh, bull, for, for the bullpen, for the rotation, because, you know, he's just really given some stability into the back of it. But, you know, with the troubles that CC's had, with the inconsistency, inconsistencies that Evaldi has had, um, injuries at the top, you know, having him back as kind of that, that steady guy in the middle um, is definitely very important. So with him back, as you said, we're going to a six-man rotation. Uh, do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think for the time being, it's okay. I, you know, again, we're gonna have to see how these guys—they're just not used to it. I think Tanaka's fine with it, because I mean, that's how he used to pitch. I mean, he was even longer than six days, I believe, in when he was in Japan. But um, you know, you guys got you got guys like Pineda and CC um, and Evaldi who have pitched on five-day rotations for a long time, and so we're gonna have to see how how they react to it. And if this is something that he's gonna be doing, that Girardi's gonna be sticking with, you know, I kind of hope he gives it its fair shake and does it for a little while and lets these guys get into. To a, you know, their their kind of new groove and their new you know day to day habits and and really settle into this six man thing because I don't think it's something that's you could do very short term. I think that will ultimately hurt uh, the starting pitchers. So when it gets a little tricky is when you have like two off days a week, which we've mm-hmm. seen recently with those two game interleague series. But I think if you just got one off day a week, it. It's pretty. It can it can go pretty smoothly, at least on paper. So, and they want to limit Pineda's innings. They've talked mm-hmm. about. Obviously, they don't want to push Tanaka too far. Um, and who knows? Maybe an extra day off for CC every day can have him pitching an extra mile or two faster. And he, you know, maybe has a little bit more zip on the ball. You never know. So, you know, give it a shot. I guess. I think people see six man rotation and they think it's like it's like some weird thing. Like they think it's. Because it's never been done before, they think it's bad. But you know, let's see what let's see what happens. I honestly wouldn't wouldn't put it past uh, Major League Baseball to see this as as a trend coming up. Uh, with all of the you know all the money that's being spent on these top line starting pitchers and all the specialists and you know just player safety and all of these things that come out uh, this day in the new age baseball, you know protecting a guy and have, limiting his innings a little bit more, I would not be surprised uh, to see teams to start do this, especially if someone can find success with it. The thing that it gets interesting for me is that if you go, if six-man rotations become the norm and you're pitching a six-man rotation the whole season, come October when you're not going to have six starters, you're probably going to have four, then guys are pitching on two days shorter than normal. That could get a little interesting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't think it's going to be a you know a consistent thing throughout. I just I, I could see it kind of like the shift, right? The shift kind of evolved, and then all now everybody's doing it. Um, I could see the six man rotation kind of sliding into that. You know, just there's just so many specialty guys in the bullpen now too that you could kind of protect everybody. And I think by protecting people in the bullpen with all these specialty one inning guys and you know pitch restrictions and I don't know, I could just it just seems like it's trending in that direction. Yep, and as you said, it's it, I mean it comes down to all the money invested in these guys. You want to keep right. them healthy as long as possible. So, at the same time, though, a lot of money is invested in them. And you want them on the field, right? Uh, right. You know, per, for your product. So, you know, there's a couple ways to look at it. But Nolan Ryan will not go to a six man rotation. I would. <laughs> Put a lot of money on that. He wants to go back to a four-man rotation. Yeah, and then <laughs> pitch counts. He doesn't even know that. That is not in his dictionary. No, nope, he was out there to pitch nine innings, and that's the bottom line. That's right. All right, Thursday, uh, they had a four-game series in Houston. Thursday was the first game, and Keiko pitched. Uh, it was the first time I really watched a full game of his. He was pretty nasty. Complete game shutout, 12 Ks. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I was following this game on my phone. I was traveling. Uh, I was pretty much in airports all day on Thursday. But everything, every time I looked back, I mean, it just there was another K on the board. Um, but yeah, I saw the highlights. 
He's good. I mean, he really locates well, and he's got some. He's got some just just filthy stuff. So um, his, it was kind of the first time I'd really paid attention to him as well. So he reminds me a little bit of Cliff Lee, you know, from five years ago, where he wasn't going to throw at 94 miles an hour past you. He was living in the upper 80s and the low 90s, but he was throwing on the inner half of the plate to righties, which is huge as a left-handed pitcher. And he was mixing in his changeup and curveball well, just sort of mixing speeds, mixing locations. And really, the Yankees had no confident swings off of him. I think uh, Chris Young had two hits, but even those were kind of bleeders so really just nothing off Keuchel and as I was watching this game I was thinking you know CC's stuff is you know 88 to 90 he could really learn a thing or two from watching a guy like Keuchel pitch um, and we just talked about this I know but it, it just I, I it frustrates me when I see a guy that is successful at 88 miles an hour and then I see another guy getting rocked at 88 miles an hour when CC should have good location and I've seen him do it before so it's just one of those things I don't know I mean the difference being though is is this guy has pitched 88 to 90 his whole career right I mean that's 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 his that's his zone where CC was a completely different pitcher when he was younger you know he's thrown in the high 90s he was a power pitcher so it, it's teaching he's got to learn a completely different style whereas this guy this is how he's came up pitching. This is how he's he's always pitched. So, you know, the difference between the two, like, obviously, you could probably take things away by learning and seeing what someone in that spot is doing. Uh, but it, it takes time. I got to believe it takes time. I mean, you know, it, it, Andy Pettit's been in town, and, and from what I've heard, been, you know, kind of working with CC a little bit, too. But, you know, Andy Pettit never really had overpowering stuff. He had a good fastball, but later in his career, because his velocity went down, he had to be a little bit more um, you know, tricky, I guess, and, and pitch a little bit more. But it wasn't as much of a transition for a guy like Pettit as it is for CeCe, who used to throw, you know, in the high 90s. So I don't know. You know, it's it's just what it's a thing that, you know, if he's going to make the adjustment or he's not, and, and that's going to be it. I don't think there's really going to be too much in between, as we're kind of seeing. Another thing from this game that pissed me off was a lot of the Yankee hitters were complaining about the strike zone. And I'll give it to them that the pitchers were borderline, but the ump was calling them consistently the entire time. So when the ump's consistent, I think you just got to shut up and just deal with the strike zone and play ball. I'm, I hate every time there's a called strike turning around and complaining to the umpire. Yeah, I, again, I didn't see that part of the game, but um, to me, if an umpire is being consistent with a strike, whether it's a little low, a little inside, a little outside, a little high, that's fine to me. I, I really, I think as long as he's calling that same pitch both sides and calling it consistently throughout the game, then you know where that strike zone is, and uh, you know you really shouldn't have any complaints about it. Yeah, the, what it was was it was inside and it was also down. Uh, it was inside on the plate to righties, and it was down in the strike zone that he was calling a little bit generous for for uh, Keuchel. And um, you know what? I think it's just one of those things that the Yankee hitters couldn't hit him anyway, so they were maybe taking a little bit of their frustrations out on the umpire. Yeah, I actually did hear about the low strikes. Uh, I wasn't, I know I wasn't uh, privy to the inside, but I definitely heard about the low strikes. I mean, I just, I actually heard that on the radio when I was trying to catch the games in between, in between flights. But um, <laughs> again, man, you know, it's just one of those things. If if he's guys calling a low strike, then then that's what it is. So. Um, 
as long as he's consistent with it. And uh, Gardner sat out in this game, and he's probably been the Yankees' hottest hitter. Uh, maybe he's other been than, awesome. Maybe other yeah. than Chris Young recently. Right. Um, and I understand it was probably a scheduled day off facing a tough lefty, and he had played 13 games in a row. But the uh, flip side to that is Gardner's your center fielder right now, your leadoff hitter, and probably your hottest hitter, and you're taking him out against a tough pitcher where you could really use that bat in the lineup. Yeah, I don't agree with with the fact that we're, you take him out against prob, maybe you know de- debatably the number one starter in the AL, in the AL this year. Uh, you know, up until right now, because um, Gardner has success against lefties as well, and you got to have your catalyst in there. You got to have that top of that lineup set if you're going to have any success against a guy like him. And you know, he just sets the tone for the rest of the lineup. So I agree. I, I don't think it was even if it was a scheduled day off, that would have been one I'd skipped and and maybe gone the day or bef- uh, day after. Totally agree, although it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference because, again, Keuchel was dominant. All right, so moving on to Friday, Yankees finally got a win in Houston, 3-2. to two, And Avaldi uh, had a solid start, six innings, two runs, five hits, and two walks. And uh, the thing that I took, <laughs> the thing I noticed in this game was I was, I was happy that Girardi didn't push him to the seventh inning because we've seen that before. And remember, at the time, the Yankees were down by two runs. Um, it was... They were getting shot out at this point. Um, so, you know, good for Girardi for not trying to push Evaldi. You know, good job, kid. You, you pitched six innings. You're keeping us in this game. Let's let the bullpen shut it down and see if our offense can chip away. So I commended Girardi for that move. Yep, and that's back-to-back starts now from Evaldi where he's had two quality starts. And, you know, the, the last one was old-timers day. Um, then he comes back and just, you know, he, he pitched really well. I mean, even that line, to tell you the truth, the two runs, um, they were kind of, you know, he, he gets a lot of, like, ground balls that just find small holes and, and little bloops and things like that that, that come across. And he, I think he pitched, pitched even better than that line um, just by the eye, just watching it. Because he was locating his pitch. His velocity was you know where it usually is. But he was he was really uh, locating that splitter, and I think um, he was locating the fastball. And when he does that, he is nasty, and he is exactly what – you know, we thought he could be uh, when he's when he's good and and, and locating. But um, yeah, I agree with the you know. Let's let's keep him positive. Let's just keep him positive and keep him going out on a high note. Yep, I think momentum's a big thing for Avaldi, and I think, like you said, keep the ball rolling with him, and maybe he can get on a run. Yep, I like it. I want to see what he got. I want to see. I want to see the the ceiling for him. All right. So the big hit in this game was Chris Young, three run bomb in the seventh inning, basically won the game. Dude, Chris Young has like early in the season he carried us. He's he back to he's back to team. April. He's back and, to the yeah, April form. Chris Young is back, baby. He's yep. he's back in his. He's gonna have another good month, and then we'll we'll see him in August. So, but um, yeah, he's he was uh he's been nasty. I think you have some stats for him for June, right? Yeah, three seventy uh, average, three eighty two, and five ninety three slugging in June, which is you know. Back, like I said, to the April former Chris Young. He sort of took took May off in a way, and now he's back. So um, we actually had an article on the site talking about what's you know you know what's new in Chris Young's approach since since that May slump, and he's hitting a lot more line drives. He's pulling the ball more, um, and he's actually absolutely crushing lefties. So it's really good to see, especially with Ellsbury out. We need Chris Young right now. Absolutely, especially against you know left-handed pitching. We need that. We need that power bat. Well, you know, he's been playing a lot because uh, Girardi's Girardi had for you know in in Girardi's um, on on his side something good that he's done when he sees that Chris Young gets hot he doesn't take him out of the lineup yeah. he actually he really does keep him in and that's that's kind of un Girardi like in a, in a way 
in my opinion. Yeah, you got to play the hot hand with these guys. I know, but a lot of times he doesn't. Like, Girardi's infamous for, oh, guy's hot, you know, he's run three games real hot, it'll sit him the next day. Uh, but to his credit, he has uh, kept Chris Young out there, and, and Chris Young has been delivering time and time again. And that was a, a huge hit, just an absolutely huge hit in a big, big situation. Yeah, and it's a homecoming for Chris Young, right? He's from the Houston area. Yeah, absolutely. So it was of all these a Texas kid too. So we were really uh, kind of push, putting the Texas kids on display in Houston um, on Friday night. But you know, again, another really solid thing and uh, something that we has come out of this game that we've seen over the past couple weeks now is when Miller went down, we've had guys step up in a big way in the back of that bullpen. Jason yep. um, Shreve, who has been you know the the bounty of that of that trade to Atlanta, <laughs> and and just uh, Justin Wilson have. Really really stepped up in that seventh and eighth inning role. And these guys have been phenomenal. They really have. I mean, Shreve, is, uh, he's been doing it all season. I think Justin Wilson kind of came out a little slow. But lately, he has been really, really good. And you can just see how much of a competitor he is. So, you know, I think the the bullpen, I, I said this on Twitter the other night, is starting to kind of turn around a little bit and looking to be, um, you know, at least the back of that bullpen is starting to be, you know, that strength that we thought it was with with uh, with Shreve, uh, Wilson, Batantis, and then when Miller gets healthy, that's that's a pretty nasty four spot. It is. I'm just. I I, I would like to see one more right hander in there that you can rely on. And I think eventually it is going to be Adam Warren. I really do believe that. I think Adam Warren's going to be back there. Um, you know, maybe Brian Mitchell can kind of fall into this role and 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 kind of you know get into that bullpen and that right hand reliever spot. That would be that'd be something good to to see definitely from Adam Mitchell. All right. So Saturday's win nine to six to me was a little bit bittersweet because the the offense jumped out to a six run lead. McCann had an absolute blast of a grand slam in the first inning. Then Chris Young adds on a two-run home run in the second. Oberholzer gets thrown out of the game because he threw uh, up and in on A-Rod, and it was 100% intentional. The ump tossed him, and he just walked into the dugout, didn't even put up a fight. That's a guy just quitting on his team. Just He knew he had nothing, and he just wanted to throw at the Yankees. So, you know... You hate that's just a bad sportsmanship all around. Just absolute sort of scumbag move, in my opinion, out of Oberholzer. Well, um, he actually got demoted after the game too. He got demoted, and uh, the Astros manager came out and, and publicly apologized. apologized. Yeah. He said that's just not how we do things, and we're not going to put up with that. So they sent him down. As you know, I don't. Th- I think it was pretty much for that you know they're just not going to take that yeah i mean i understand and and good for the astros yeah absolutely i agree with throwing at a guy if it's retaliation because your guy got hit you know obviously you don't throw at the head but you you drill him in the middle of the back or something but to throw at a guy because someone just is hitting you again it's um it's just scumbag but anyway that was actually bad news for the yankees because they couldn't get any offense going after he came out of the game and tanaka just did not look right he walked the very first batter of the game which immediately you knew maybe he was a little off because Tanaka never walks anybody. He was falling behind a lot of hitters. Um, you know, his his off-speed stuff looked sharp, but at the same time, he was, you know, he couldn't throw it for an out pitch because he was behind in a lot of counts. Um, he had 98 pitches through five innings, which is very uncharacteristic, uh, and he gave up six runs. So, um, you know, it was 6-6 when they took him out of the game. Just really uh, pretty bad performance from Tanaka. Yeah, and this is the this is the type of thing. I mean, we've we've seen a few of uh, the, the Tanaka starts where he's, you know, ha- has not been so good, and 
you know, from the one and two guys, you just want you want to see more consistency out of these out of these two, and you know, hopefully Tanaka will just uh, will bounce back. But he did get through five innings, so he kind of got it out the five innings. Obviously, the the fact that the Yankees had a six nothing lead helped that, um, and and that's you know kind of why he stood in the. I think that's why he stayed in the game as long as he did. But um, you know, thankfully the Yankees came back and uh, and won the game. Yep, Tex had the big hit, uh, opposite field double, uh, two run double in the eighth inning. I love when Tex goes opposite field because that's when you know he, he's really clicking. Well, and there were a couple interesting th- things that happened in that inning, if you recall, too. Uh, there was a, uh, I think it was a double play uh, going, it was a double play ball going to second base, and Altuve received the ball, and Gardner slid hard. Um, and Altuve kind of bobbled the ball, but it, from what I saw in the replay, and maybe this just wasn't conclusive enough, one, he was called safe at the bag. But it looked like Altuve touched the bag uh, with his toe on the back of it and then and then bobbled the ball on the transfer. Well, the umpire called, uh, you know, did not touch the ball, did not touch the bag, bobble, everybody's safe. Uh, so that, that kind of gave some new blood there. And then there was a very close pitch to Teixeira right before he hit that double that, that would have been called strike three. Um, so there were some definitely some interesting calls in that inning that, that went the Yankees' way. But you know what? You know, the Yankees caught a little break, you know, Give an inch, take a mile. That's that's what I feel. No doubt about it. If that happens, you got to make them pay for it, and and they did. So, Tex had a big one, and then um, Headley had a bomb too. Uh, in the was it the next inning? Yeah, he, he. I think that thing is still going up. I mean, <laughs> he he hit that he hit that ball hard, and it went high. It was it was a shot. Yep. So uh, got out of there with a nice nine to six win, but because Tanaka only went five innings, sort of fried the bullpen yesterday and today going into the game. Um, all the big guys, all the big gu- big guns, Batances, Shreve, and Wilson were unavailable for the game. So the Yankees were relying, uh, they had to call up Esmail Rogers and send down Gregorio Petit because they needed an extra arm out there. And anytime you're calling up Esmail Rogers because you're thin on pitching, it's probably not, not a good thing. But uh, this was Pineda's game pretty much from the start. Um, and... He did what they needed him to do. Obviously, he went eight innings, but um, the end result wasn't so great. Well, yes, and, and you know, to his credit, there were some botched plays too. I mean, that yep. ball to the left field was just. There, there's not much to to talk about. How it was just a bad play all around. Um, you know, the fly ball that went to left field. It was probably Garrett Jones' ball. Uh, Gardner was there. There was a miscommunication and the ball dropped, and uh, and he scored actually. Yeah. So, so the one you're talking about is Correa. He hit a, a deep uh, fly ball to left center. Again, Garrett Jones is not. First of all, I don't think he's an outfielder, but he's definitely not a left fielder. Left fielder, yeah. Right. So he's running over, and I think that's Gardner's ball because he's the experienced outfielder and he's the center fielder. He needs to take charge and call that ball away from a guy who's playing out of position. Totally agree. I, I, it, you know, if it's a if it's a regular left fielder and a regular center fielder, the left fielder is going to catch that ball every time. Um, but in that instance, I totally agree, and I think Gardner should have just taken charge. He was there. Uh, there was no definitive call on who had it. You know, obviously, I don't know what those guys said to each other that we couldn't hear or see. But Gardner should have absolutely taken control of the ball, and then he had a hard time picking the ball up, and Correa just kept running. Yeah, um, and scored. So was that little- was. 
it was ruled a double and a two bag error, but in my opinion, it should have been should have been a four bag error. But uh, you know, whatever the run scored, um, and then you know it was one to one game. Pineda was still pitching strong. He had about eighty pitches in the seventh inning, mm-hmm. and uh, the one mistake he did make though with a guy on third and Gaddis up, uh, he left a hanging slider in the middle of the plate, and Gaddis hit a triple. Yeah, that was a 400-foot triple. I mean, or 405, right? What's the wall? 405? Uh, it hit the wall, and he ended up on third base. Man, he wasn't even running hard. That's, that's a big ballpark. Um, but, yeah, so that was a, that was a bad, bad pitch. He left a couple of his pitches, his breaking balls, hanging uh, that he got away with uh, before that, too. So you could tell he was starting to tire a little bit. Uh, going into that inning, but yeah, he uh, again, it's kind of a bad luck loss for him though because he did pitch well. Yeah, it's one of those games that I can't get really mad at Pineda because he did what they t- what the team needed him to do. He gave him innings and he gave him a chance to win. Just the offense couldn't get anything going off McHugh, who was pretty tough as well. He only allowed four base runners in eight innings. Yep, uh, and I'll tell you one thing. Talking about this Astros team, and they've pretty much brought everybody up, right? They're they're going kind of all in on the youth movement in Houston this year, and they have some impressive players. I mean, we all know about Altuve, who's who's a young second baseman, but he's a dynamic guy, and it looks like he's becoming the leader of that team. Uh, but then you got you know the, the as Susan Walden says, the pride of Connecticut and George Springer. I mean, he's he's really starting to come into his own. And then this this kid at short is uh, you know he's he looks good. He's a big, strong kid, and uh, he can run. He's kind of a five tool guy. Yeah, I mean the Astros are a good team. I think as I said earlier uh, in the podcast that people might look at a two game split in Houston and think that's bad, but with the way Houston's playing this year, you get two games out of four and you sort of call it a day. Yep, I agree. You know, move on to the next, and uh, hopefully we can have some success out west. Yep, uh, going out west to L.A. Uh, play the Angels for three games, and then they have an off day Thursday, and then they got a big series next weekend at, at Yankee Stadium against Tampa Bay. Obviously, Tampa's in first place right now, so got to win those division games, man. Yeah, that's going to be huge. You know, hopefully we can we can come out of uh, Anaheim. Los Angeles with uh, with some decent games. You know, I always I can't stand these West Coast trips. They always uh, they always kind of make me cringe when when the Yankees go out there. But um, you know, hopefully they can come out healthy and uh, and on top. And uh, you know, hopefully this this game or this series with Tampa Bay can kind of be a, a little jolt in the side of the Yankees. You know, we play well at home, and uh, let's uh, let's let's go in there and take care of these boys. All right, some other news and notes. Uh... I think uh, an interesting thing is that Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez will uh, play in the Futures game at All-Star Week. It's good to see, man. Anytime I can watch Aaron Judge play baseball, I'm happy. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I The world see is going to see Aaron Judge now. The world is going to see Aaron Judge, so hopefully he can kind of be on display and, and uh, show something. Um, but Gary Sanchez as well is having a decent year, uh, but he's there as well as, as one of our um, you know top prospects. So it's good to see these guys out there. You know, Aaron Judge is just getting so close. All these guys are getting so close, man, and it's exciting to see. Yeah, if you're a new listener to the podcast, I definitely recommend going back to um, it was I think episodes four and five. We did uh, the Baby Bombers talked about a lot of the prospects, including. 
including Judge and Sanchez. Um, we had a, a guest on, Dan Pfeffer, um, with Scott and I, and it was a really, really good two episodes. So definitely take a listen to that, talking about some of the prospects. Dan, is um, he writes for a minor league blog, so he knows a ton of stuff about these guys. But uh, getting back to Judge, he was just promoted to AAA, and he had his first home run last week. Um, so he's really impressed this year. And Sanchez is having an okay year. He's hitting 256 in 45 games um, in AA. So, you know, but it's good to see both of those guys in the future games. And, and also, just a quick note on that from, uh, you know, I've been hearing just from uh, from kind of following some of the, the beat guys in the minors, and I think there was a uh, Daily News article, I think it was the News or the Post, that was talking about how, you know, in the next few weeks, um, we, we very well could see Sanchez and Bird moving up to AAA too. And that will really align a lot of our top prospects in AAA ready for, ready for action, uh, you know, coming up at the end of the season, uh, going into spring training in 2016. So it's exciting seeing the the resurgence of the Yankees minor leagues and really seeing these guys have some success down there because it's been a long time since we've been able to be excited. And now we can get excited about a lot of guys. You know, there's with Ref Snyder there as well, there's a lot of talent down there. And, you know, maybe it's not the, the Mike Trouts of the world or the Bryce Harpers, but these guys have very good uh, – they have potential to be very good uh, major league players. Um, I don't think you know a lot of these guys have great um, labeled to them. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Aaron Judge, uh, possibly Severino is a number two. I think is where he kind of the prospects see him. But it's definitely exciting to see these guys coming up. It's uh, it gets me going, man. You know what it also does? It pushes some of the veterans. That's know, true. They have to play well if they want to keep their job in the majors. No doubt about it. And we've seen some of the guys that we've heard about with, you know, Flores and Heathcott and Mason Williams come up and contribute when they first get up here. Unfortunately, they've had some some injuries, but, you know, they've come up and they've contributed to the big team. And, uh, you know, that's that's really cool to see. And it's good to see that we're finally getting some, um, you know, some dividends from our minor league system. Speaking of injuries, uh, some injury updates. Andrew Bailey came off the, the minor league disabled list and he's starting to pitch a little bit in the minors. Although I wouldn't get too, too excited because he's had a real rough go of it the last couple years with injuries. I don't know if we can expect anything from him, but he's back and pitching. Um, Andrew Miller started to play catch this week, which is good. So that's one step closer for him. And Ellsbury's really making progress. He was running and playing catch in the outfield with the team the past couple weeks, but he's going to actually start playing in games for single-A Tampa this coming week. And I think that's a big one because they really need Ellsbury. We saw how thin their outfield was today with Garrett Jones in left field. So I think this team really is starting to miss Ellsbury. Oh, no doubt about it. And just what he does at the top of that lineup. I mean, we saw in the beginning of the season how dynamic the one-two can be when you have Ellsbury and Gardner up there. I mean, those guys were the best in the business when they were, uh, you know, one and two. They're creating havoc on the base path, just, you know, taking taking advantage of a lot of the opportunities that they had on the base path, um, getting on base a ton. So they really kind of uh, fed off of each other. And when Ellsbury comes back, it's going to be kind of like we're getting a center fielder at the trade deadline. It's going to be a huge jump start to this offense. Yeah, and uh, deja vu all over again, Brendan Ryan is on the DL. 
The mustache, the lone mustache. <laughs> he can't catch a break, man. This guy just keeps getting injured, and I, I feel bad uh, for the guy because, you know, I've actually started to like Brendan Ryan as a player. I didn't really know too much about him, but uh, the Yes Network did some, uh, did like a, an interview with him. I don't know if you saw this, but it was, he's, he's kind of a goofball. He's kind of a goofy guy uh, behind the scenes, too. Um, but just seeing his personality, I, I could, I learned more about Brendan Ryan, so I was kind of rooting for him. So I'll, unfortunately for him. I'll have to check that out. I, I was not able to see that, but I do feel bad for him because he was actually playing pretty well when he came back. And um, it's just, I don't know. I, he's, I think he's just doomed to be on the DL this year. Yeah, I think so too. He's just, uh, and you know, when some of these guys get back, uh, is there going to be a spot for him if we call up anybody? Who knows? But um, Steven Drew's still on the team, so that's that's promising for him. I feel like they're really wearing out the uh, Scranton to New York shuttle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like every day there's like two guys called up and two guys sent down. So a lot of news and notes going on with this team in recent weeks. Yeah, there's a new right-handed pitcher in the bullpen pretty much every other day. I know. It seems like. So, yeah, the, um, they've definitely been trying to experiment with, with these guys. And, you know, when the bullpen gets overworked, they'll bring a guy up and send a guy like Petit down. Uh, so it's going to be – I think that's going to happen quite a bit, though. I yeah. think Girardi's going to – because there is that extra guy that we can kind of flip-flop with the um, the utility infielder and the flexibility of our starting in well, with Drew and, and – um, Perella has, uh, you know, there's opportunities for a lot of guys going up and down. Yeah, hopefully Petit is signing up for points on whatever airline he's flying because he's really flying back and forth to Scranton a bunch. Get those points, baby. All right, uh, so we don't have any voicemails or uh, mailbags for this week to discuss, but I do want to encourage everyone to definitely write in and call in. We've had some great uh, con- uh, contributions in the past. Um, because Scott and I have sort of been MIA this week, we feel like we're going to hold off till next week to get some of that stuff going. But uh, definitely call in, and we'll play them, and we'll talk about them next week. All right, so I think that pretty much uh, wraps up for this week. Uh, as we said, big, big three games in, uh, or three games in Los Angeles, and then big three game series coming up for Tampa. Yankees have sort of been 500, treading water lately, but hopefully they can start playing a little bit better while I'm, while I'm watching them finally, which is good. Yeah, I, you know, this is going to be a big set. This is a big week for them. I think going out west uh, again, like I said, I cringe when they go out west. Just my, for pretty much in my whole, my whole. Uh, life watching the Yankees those West Coast trips have always just been a thorn in the side so um, it's never easy making that long flight and then playing baseball and then they're coming back and playing uh, the you know one of the top division rivals in, in the Tampa Bay Rays so hopefully we can get some momentum going into that in, into that series and come out with some W's alright sounds good we'll uh, talk to you guys next week hey guys thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.